Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. <clears throat> how many, Lucas, how many NBA active players can you name right now besides, like, LeBron and Steph Curry? I mean, you know, mid-level guys. Yeah. Like, I just like, saw a name Bimpery up there, and I'm like, who was that? If like, a Celtics game came on right now, how many games, how many guys could you name on the Celtics roster? Uh, I can name Jason Tatum. Okay. I can name uh, Grant Williams. Um, <laughs> is Al Horford? Uh, so yeah, now you're already it. asking questions, and we're three deep on here. Okay. He's still there? Because well, he was there, Jaylen and Brown. he left, and then he came Jaylen back. Brown. Yeah, Jalen Brown. I should have picked a different team. Y'all are actually doing You almost got started smart, five for smart, this. Smart, smart. Yeah, Marcus Smart. That's another good one. Um, yeah, I think uh, uh, is Taco uh, Fall still on the Celtics? Yeah, <laughs> yes, he is. He is. I don't know if he's on the active roster. They also have that kid, uh, the the Williams kid from Mississippi State, the long, tall guy, Venus. No, not that. Yeah, <laughs> I, said, I said guy. <laughs> Sorry, it's the first Williams. Yeah, I, I thought forgot of. his name. He went to Miss. Uh, yeah, he's done a really good job. That's it. You're right, though, man. These guys. Ooh, Ed Airport showing Ben Simmons and transitioning over to. Uh, Brooklyn Nets. I saw, you know, a, a quote from Durant saying that him Nick and- says in the chat, Taco Fall is now on the Cavs. He's on the Cavs. Oh. And Taco oh. got Dang, he didn't Taco. do much in Boston. He shipped out the Taco. Yeah, he, he has a great run there. <laughs> yes, Taco. <laughs> that immortal run by Taco Fall. Never works out for those super tall guys that uh, you know, have trouble getting up and down the court and getting off the ground. Mm. Yeah. It's always tough. But that uh, Durant and Harden didn't agree on offensive philosophy. And I'm like, what? Well, what would that be? Both of y'all like the ball hog. So well, I think I mean, that's it. Like, I don't agree that you want to shoot at 30 because I'm going to shoot at 30 times. Well, basically, that's saying that I'm better than you. Sure. Yeah, the that, philosophy is I shoot at 30 and you shoot at like 24. <laughs> yeah. That's my philosophy. Man. So they're 0 for 2 on being on the same team together. Oh, that's right. Okay, see. Winning a championship. Think about yeah, this. Harden was a backup there. Yeah, Harden you, wasn't close. You, to some young now. person in OKC. How many years ago was that? Now that they were all together, ten, uh, I don't know. eight, a minute. It was. It was right before Durant went to Golden State. Uh, it was a different Durant. It was the. It's the Durant. The, I mean, I'm sorry, different Harden. He was the Harden that had no beard. Yeah, and that was when like Durant tried to be like a nice guy. He before he got hard and mean. You know, he's hard and mean now. He <laughs> he wasn't like well, that. Well, he I'm went. Not, he was nice guy until everybody started ripping him in. <laughs> Oh, he had enough real quick. Like, oh, wait a second. Y'all going to say ugly things about me? Okay, well, I, I'm about to be hard and mean. But I have some friends who live in OKC, and they were like, our team's going to be great for years. we got all these superstars. It's, the whole city's just on fire. And then they were all gone. Just bang out, just in a blink of an eye. I don't think I can name like a single player. Like they got raptured out of there. Okay, maybe that was the question. Yeah. Name somebody on the Thunder. Unless Steven Adams still plays for the Thunder, I have no, no idea. No, he does not. Uh, he, okay, yeah, then that, nope. That, I'm all out. Uh, I, one of the guys, I, he has three names. <laughs> Two last names with his first name. Uh, I saw him play at BA. He is, he is their point guard. Oh, Shy Gilgis Alexander. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He's well, there. there you go. I, I had to Google that. I yep. Yep. That's him. Know that. Yep. He's on their team. He they drafting first round. He played in a school I'd never heard of in Chattanooga, so I was really intrigued about this private school that I have never heard of. It was basically a basketball school. Yeah. Well, it worked for him. Mm, yeah, it did. Could you imagine? Oh, the NBA is such a. And we didn't have this set aside plan. The NBA is such a coastal, big city league. And then you have a team in Memphis with one of the brightest young stars that couldn't be any further from either coast. It's on the Mississippi River. And you got a guy there who could be the talk of the league for years playing in that market, tiny market. Not that Memphis is a tiny city, but it's not coastal. And then literally you have a team in Oklahoma City with no stars on it. Sorry, Kentucky fans. I know Gilgis Alexander's a good player. 
But that whole orbit of of the NBA is like Los Angeles and New York and Chicago. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, Oklahoma City has the team. Well, and Memphis. Uh, well, Oklahoma and New Orleans, too. You know. Where, where's Zion go? He's been chilling. He had too many crawfish. Is he still injured? I mean, what is this deal? Uh, yeah, I, I think he was injured on and off for. I'd be lying if I said I really knew. But he hadn't that, played at all this year. Yeah, yeah, he he was he was he's been disappointing. I think they they got to get him out. They got he he don't want to be there. That's the that's the I, that has. I think to be he'd be a lot more well if he was in some place he wanted to be. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. I think he was in the same better. draft class as Jaw. He and was. Jaw has been the star of that draft class. Yeah, and they played travel ball together, and they didn't even notice him. Mm-hmm. That's the big story on the Josh. They noticed Jaw. Yeah, they they said, okay, well, we'll all the guys that are elite guys stay in this gym, and all the other guys go in the other gym, and Jaw had to go to the other gym, and only one guy over there noticed him, and that was the Murray State, uh, I guess, a scout. We we are getting tons of of NBA talk in the yeah. chat now. Uh, are they helping us out? Nick says, uh, yes, Taco doesn't play with the Cavs either, is what Nick says. <laughs> uh, Brandon says Adams is a Grizz. Uh, Nick that's says, right, that's right. How, how can I not know that? And Nick is about to flash me back here. Now, I don't know if you would remember this, Blaine, because I'm so much older than you. Lucas, Nick says, I wish Kansas City would have gotten a team instead of OKC. Oh. Do you know where the Kings used to be, Lucas? Were they in Kansas City? They were the Kansas City Kings. It's got a nice ring to it. Do you know who played for them? You watch him no. on TV on Thursday nights on TNT. Kenny the Jet Smith oh. was a Kansas City King. So when Kansas City or the Kings are purple now, like the monarchy purple, they used to be Baby blue. boiler blue, blue yeah. and red. They were the same uniform. Kenny Smith got drafted by them. I don't know if he got drafted by them, but Kenny Smith played for the Kings. Oh. Hmm. The Kings, they played in like Kemper Arena. Hmm. Kansas City I had all about that. I don't remember NBA that. basketball. Hey, man, it's, I mean – you're on the border of Missouri and Kansas. Think about how basketball bananas people are oh, yeah. there. Yeah, and I like that. The Kansas City Kings. I like the alliteration. Oh, it rolled off the tongue. Yeah. Unless, I love that about NBA teams that when they move, how some team names make so much sense in that location, and then they move, like the Utah Jazz, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know if one note of jazz has ever played in Utah on a yearly basis, but it used to be in New Orleans. And right. the Lakers, that obviously did not originate in L.A. There's no oh, lakes man. in L.A. I, well, they to... were the Minneapolis right. Lakers, and they that had one sense. of the, they had, like, the first true big man, George Mikan, uh, who was, like, the premier big man for his day, and for a long time after that, people were trying to find the next George Mikan, but... Yeah, that so that perplexes people who don't know the history of the league. It's like, why is there a team called the Jazz in Utah? There are no <laughs> lakes in L.A. Well, you gotta you gotta dig a little bit. Well, they could have changed the name. They could have. Kenny Smith did get drafted, eighty-seven to ninety, uh, sixth overall pick out of North Carolina by your Kansas City Kings. And they even list like his Wikipedia mm, Sacramento. You know who Kings. I was going to say as soon as you said that Kansas City Kings. You said guard, but until you said he was on TV, then I didn't know. I was going to go. This is going to go way back. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Reggie Theus. He played for the Kings. I know. That's what I that's yeah. all, I didn't know. Kenny Smith went back that far because all I remember is Kenny on the in the in the Houston Rockets and, uh, you know, them uh, winning the championship because I lived there and watched him and knowing I watched him in North Carolina. But I remember him. I think he won the dunk contest uh, one year. Uh, or he at least made it to the you know, maybe final two. He, I think he won it, yeah. Reggie Theus was like the smoothest guy in the league for a minute there. Mm-hmm. He had like the long like mullet fro yeah. thing. Oh, man. He was cool. Dude. He was a broadcaster. Reggie Theus. Lucas, he, like, you look him up. 
Here's another one for you, just kids out there looking for history. Do you know where the Clippers started? No. No, don't tell us. Let's, you, we got to make a guess. I have no where idea Where did the either. Clippers start? The Clippers. The Clippers. Before they moved, the uh, Clippers. What city? Was it an alliteration? Like the, like the Kansas City Kings? It was an alliteration, but they had a different name. Oh. Oh, then I And no they idea. also wore, their blue was Columbia Blue. Same as the Tennessee Titans. Used to be big in the 70s. Baby Blue was the thing. Oh. Y'all got anything? I could just start naming cities, but I don't know if anybody wants to. Hear that. I, I, I'm 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 perplexed. I do wait. You know this. You're old enough to know them. No, little. I'm not. You were, you were little at the radio uh, right now. Uh, oh man, I I want to say I remember too. I'll uh, tell you who else played in that city at the same time. Who? One Orenthal James Simpson. Oh, is it Buffalo? Buffalo. Oh, I wouldn't have guessed. The Buffalo they? Braves. Buffalo oh, was, I thought you said it was the Clippers. Buffalo had an NBA team from 1970 to 1978, and then they became the Clippers and moved to San Diego. I think it's almost two. And they were in San Diego for a handful of years, and they've been the Clippers in L.A. since 84. <laughs> Prometheus says Buffalo. There you go. Man. Man. Brett Kerr just tweeted, he's from Buffalo. He just sent me a message that said, Buffalo Braves. That's Kerr's oh, childhood my. basketball. He's not old enough. He would just know that they were there because well, you live somewhere. He would course. have sent like pennants and posters around and said, why do we have this stuff? Do we used to have an NBA team? Yeah, we got we to get Kerr on, man. We got to be a regular. Give us his knowledge. Well, he could break down any Buffalo sports. I know that. There, one time, in, there's a bar our, in our Birmingham. <laughs> there's a bar in Birmingham that is like the Buffalo Backers Bar of Birmingham. And a few Ooh. years ago, I went to watch it. A Titans game. They were playing the Bills. It was the game where Nick Williams had the drop. Oh, and, and I was there guy. watching the game, and ton of Bills fans there. And and I was there with my dad. You know, he's wearing a Titans shirt, and somebody came up to us, starts talking to us, and told us he was a childhood best friend of Brett Kearns. Oh my, he's so a he legendary. For, I wish I remember his name that I could uh, that I could tell Brett. Hmm. Brett probably knows him. Yeah, it's a, it's a major metropolitan area, Lucas. I don't know if everybody mm. knows everybody. Mm. Uh, they may. Unless they go to Canada all the time, <laughs> which is what they do in an hour drive, man. All right. We're not going to Canada. Uh, Coach Mack is not there. He's in the United States of America, and we will talk to him next. Coach Dave McGinnis joins us next. You don't know that. <laughs> Boy to Mickey, one zero four five, the zone. Oh, I got you. <laughs> you hear that music? Somebody asked me, "What is this song?" One day, I'm like, "Return of the Mac." This is one of the great songs of all time. To introduce one of the great guests of all time, Coach Mac, who joins us now. Coach, how in the world are you doing? I always love hearing this song because I know that means uh, about to hear you join us on the program here. Mickey, I'm doing great. Blaine, hope you're doing good too. I'm just sitting here right now. Uh, looking at some players for this draft because that's the next thing that's coming up that I'm concentrated on. And plus, I'm looking at the, the league calendar here because this time of year, once the Super Bowl is over with, which it is, you know, the league calendar is something that, that becomes pretty important. So I'm checking out the league calendar to see some of these uh, important dates that uh, our listeners might be interested in here. Uh, you know, I think people kind of wonder what goes on with clubs during the off season uh, and the off season really starts, uh, you know, for everybody once you're through playing, but it, it officially gets going, you know, once the Super Bowl is over with. And so, you know, there, there are certain dates, target dates 
that you hit during the during the off season. And that's what I'm checking on. That's what I'm checking out right now. What's the next big one ahead that uh, league executives or or observers like us need to have circled, Coach, on our calendar? Okay, well, uh, here it is. From February, starting on February 22nd to March the 8th, that's when all of your teams can designate players for the franchise or the transition tag. So if you got you got players that you're you're thinking about doing this with, it starts in February uh, February the 22nd. And you've got up until March 8th to make that decision. Mm. And then, you know, March 1st through the 7th is the NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis. This may be the last year that it's in Indy. I've been to every combine that's been in Indy since 1987. Of course, uh, you know, during the COVID year, they did not have it. Uh, It's going to be up for bid after this year. But, you know, I'm going for the whole time from March 1st through 7th and to to get to look at some of these uh, players. I think there's a little over 300 that they've invited into that combine in Indy. And then March 14th to the 16th, uh, guys, is uh, and this is a really a, a, a kind of a uh, uh, quasi-fake name here, but I don't know how else to say it. Legal tampering period starts in free agency. There's so much tampering going on, right, that finally they said, look, okay. And a lot of this, a lot of this uh, you know, had started uh, during the combine week because all the agents are there and every uh, – Team official is there. Your money guys are there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on there when you start talking about, you know, free agency and you start talking about trades. Anyway, the legal time to start doing that is March 14th to the 16th. And then March 16th, guys, at 4 p.m. Eastern, which is 3 is three p.m. here in Nash Vegas on March 16th, that's when the, the official league year starts. And that's when free agency officially begins is on is – on, uh, March 16th, and then that's when all your trades can become official. you got your annual league meeting uh, March 27th to the 30th, which will be a pretty important meeting, I would imagine, this year. And then, you know, uh, clearly sometimes between April and July, then, then what you're going to get is, you know, all, all the all the, the things that you, you start to get as far as schedule being released, that kind of stuff. And then April 18th, uh, uh, is the first time that teams with returning head coaches can start their uh, off-season workouts. And, uh, you know, April 23rd is the last day for restricted free agents to sign. I mean, I can go on and on. Uh, and so, anyway, that's where we are now, guys. If somebody had told you, you know, that first combine in 1987, like, hey, man, everybody's going to watch this on TV and we're going to stretch it out for days and – and free agency is going to have TV specials for days. And would you even believe what this league has become, Coach? Not just on the field, but off the field, the business of it. No, I, I could not. Because at the time, you know, when the, the the first combine I went to was out in Phoenix. You know, they had it in Phoenix. Then one year they had it in New Orleans. And then, uh, you know, they had it uh, in, 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 in Indy in 1987. And that place was like Fort Knox. You could not get into the workouts. I mean, if you weren't a coach or a scout, you weren't in there. There was nobody else in there. The place that was the zoo was that uh, was that was that Holiday Inn that was that was there at the train station where all the players were kept. That was where the zoo was. That's where you had everybody in there, and they since cleaned that up quite a bit. Yeah. But to answer your question, yeah. Union Station. No way. Yeah, Union Station was just, I mean, it was ridiculous, guys. When I first started, I mean, I was a young coach, and my job was to grab as many guys as I could, hide them in our room, and then run them out the back door so nobody else could talk to them. 
I mean, it was it 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 was the wild west. It really was. Uh, and and now you know what it is. I mean, they sell tickets, or fans can fans of teams can earn tickets somehow to go in on one day to see it. Uh, it's a completely different world now. It's completely televised. You can sit at home and watch every bit of it on television. Uh, and could I have imagined that in 1987? I would be lying to you if I said yes. It's crazy. Uh, Coach Mack joins us same time each week. You always got to tune in for this. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage at an affordable price. You know what to do. Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They got you covered just like Coach Mack. Mm, well, Coach Mack, a little trivia. Yeah. I worked in Union Station at one of the kiosks there serving uh, food there. So uh, it's kind of my oh, first know, experience. Blaine. I mean, that, and I, I'm, sure, I'm sure the Cathedral High School had that thing uh, staffed pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I do know because I used to recruit up there. Cathedral High School, all the dudes that they used to pull in there, you know, I'm a – I've I've been Catholic all my life, so I know how yeah. good they recruit good players. <laughs> oh man, so yeah, I'm sure you have some good holidays there and having some fun. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I had to learn uh, the hard way. That's sure. But coach, let's talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Kind of give us your overview yeah. of what you thought, and then I'm I'm kind of going to Aaron Donald a little bit after that uh, since you are on the staff that drafted him and sure. you know where he's at today. So yeah, what was your yeah, thoughts on the Super Bowl? Sure, Blaine. There were yeah, there were four starters on that Rams team that won the Super Bowl that uh, that were drafted. You know when uh, when we went in there to to St. Louis, really when we went to St. Louis, yeah, Tyler Higby. You know their, their tight end, yeah, that, injured. Uh, you know mm-hmm. the, the, you know the, that was injured. Tyler Higby, Rob Havenstein, uh, that, that was their right tackle. You know, of course, Aaron Donald and Johnny Hecker, the punter. You know, okay. all of those guys played for us the years mm-hmm. that we were we were there, we were there at the Rams. Uh, and of course, Aaron Donald being the premier guy. Uh, we got him in that 2014 draft at the number 13 pick because uh, people one through 12 thought he was too short. Well, I guess the joke's on them. But anyway. Mm. Uh, what know, was your when, scouting report on him, Coach? Mind you, if you can recall. I, 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 no, I will tell you, uh, if you want to know a draft story on Aaron Donald, myself and Mike Waffle was our defensive line coach. who was a defensive line coach for years for Al Davis at the Raiders and then was – you know, with Tom Coughlin at the at the Giants. You know, uh, when they won the Super Bowl, he had Strahan in that whole group. He and Mike, he he and uh, you know Jim Washburn, the two best defensive line coaches I've ever been around in my entire life, bar none. Anyway, Waff, you know, when I first went in there, uh, we we uh, the Rams had Chris Long and they and they uh, and they also had Robert Quinn, but they needed some interior guys. So he and I were the ones that went looking for interior players. And, First time we went down to LSU, we drafted Michael Brockers in the first round. Oh yeah, first year, yeah, the first year we were there, and then Brock, you know, was a big, powerful dude. It was a great player, you know, still is playing in the league. And then, you know, we needed a three technique in, in fourteen, and so we went out looking around. There was a guy named Bob Junko that has been at Pittsburgh for years. He and I coached together at TCU, and you know, they had Aaron Donald there. And of course, I called Junk and asked about him. Bob Junko had been involved in recruiting Aaron Donald to Pitt. He said, "Mac, best football player I've ever been around in my whole life, and I'm not lying to you." And Junk didn't lie. You know, he knew a player. And so anyway, you know, we went to look at him, and and went, guys, real quick, we were having our thirty visit. Okay, thirty visit. You know what that means is those players come in. You can have thirty that can come in and visit. Yeah, your facility for one day, you know, up until the up until the draft. And so it was Aaron Donald's thirty visit day. We were going to bring him in, so we got to talk, you know, so everybody else can see him. Waffle and I loved him. So did Fish. 
you watch him on tape, all he does is make every tackle. And so, you know, we brought him in. We were in a in a draft meeting, everybody, all the high muckety mucks. It was about eleven o'clock. <laughs> you know, we were all the high muckety mucks were you know, everybody's in there that thought they were important. And 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 uh, we have all everything up on the board, and and I can still remember to this day up on the big screen we were talking about Johnny Manziel because he, he was a quarterback coming out that year. All of a sudden the door just bust open, and it's Aaron Donald's thirty fifth, and Mike Waffle comes walking in with him, and he says, "Hey, I just want you to know everybody in this room that don't know, I don't care who you're talking about, who's up on that board. This is Aaron Donald. He's the best player in this draft. Enough said. Slam the door and left." <laughs> no, no, no! It's a true story. And so you know he keeps he keeps falling. And so you know we get to, we get to number eleven. I tell you who was I think I think Odell Beckham Jr. was taken right before him at number twelve. You know uh, he was taken right. And so when he passed all the way through all the way through, that was the year that that, that Clowney was taken number one by the Texans, right? Okay. And so okay. and so and so when he passed down to us. Jeff Fisher looks over at me, you know, of course, we're in the, you know, none of the assistant coaches are in there. Again, it's the high muckety bucks that are in there on draft day, you know. So we're, 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 we're sitting there, and Fish looks at me and says, Mac, go get Waffle. And so I said, okay. So we're going there. I said, and he's sitting there in his office just fuming because he figures, you know, we're not going to draft him because all of the, Anyway, calls him in, Fish, Fish says, Waffle, go pull his name off that board and put him on the board over there underneath, uh, Right. Mm-hmm. There in the rest is history. Wow, Woo! man! So it was that much that everybody doubted just because of his height, right, Coach? Height, height, height. That's all they talked about. Height, and they said didn't play the run real well. Jumped around, moved around. Well, okay, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. All I know is I've never. I mean, I've been around some great defensive linemen in my career. I mean, some great ones. That dude is that dude. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a bit big conversation about, uh, you know, Aaron Donald and he's the best defensive player ever. And I, I'm not going to go that far because I don't want to disrespect no. all the eras that have played. I mean, we can go down right. to Warren Sapp to Reggie White. I mean, there's a whole bunch of laundry list sure. of guys. But during this era, where would you rank him as far as uh, let's just go D tackles, interior D linemen? Well, let, let, let's differentiate that too. Let's mm-hmm. differentiate that position too, Blaine. And you, you know this. I think he's the best three technique, you know, in the last fifteen years. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, come on, how, how, how do you not say that? Mm-hmm. Because you know, playing defensive line is different, as you well know. But I'm, I'm talking to our listeners now. Yeah. You know, there's a difference between a three technique that plays on the outside shoulder of a guard and a shade that plays between the guard and the center on the other side, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got your space eaters, you've got your knockback guys, and then you've got your guys that can beat guards one-on-one, that demand double teams, that demand lines be slid to them, that demand, you know, more more uh, solid protection, you know, that you play as a three technique. But for a three technique, in, 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 when he came into the league, I mean, that's the guy everybody's measured by now, right? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. I guess I don't want to. I want to talk about it just a little bit more. Compare Aaron Donald to yours truly, Big Jeff. Mm. Different, different body types. Mm-hmm. You know, completely different body types. You know, they're both. Here's what they both have. They both got. They both got unusual quickness for their size. They both got in, in, in tremendous hand power. That and, and that's important. And the other thing they have that I really look for when I'm going through, you know, looking at a defensive linemen, they both have tremendous lower leg 
flexibility. Because what you've got to be able to do there, you've got to be able to turn and change directions in a short space, you know, playing in the defensive front. And a lot of it is is how flexible you are in the lower half of your your body from the knees down to be able to change directions and, and, and flatten out or change directions and be able to chase, you know, from inside out after you've made a power push. That's why Jarrell Casey was such a was such a, a, a productive player. Tremendous lower body flexibility. You know, I was here when we drafted him and, and remember putting that in my, you know, in my report uh, when he was doing that. Same thing, uh, you know, now Big Jeff, Big Jeff is a bigger man. Big Jeff, you know, is mm-hmm. different because he is a bigger, powerful guy. Big Jeff could play a shade too if you wanted him to, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and you know, he's and, and so to me, they're both. They can both collapse the cylinder. They're both now. They both are going to command a double team. They both. You're not going to single block either one of them if you're going to go five step drop with a guard by himself. But they're completely different body types. But I tell you where they are the same, their temperament is the same. Because both of them, as far as the way they play the game, I mean, they major in violence. Mm. Oh, well, we were they great balance, great observation, coach. Who played better versus the Bengals? I know different settings, Super Bowl and everything else. Because when I watch Aaron Donald, I go, oh, man, he, he played great. They pissed him off, and then they, they made a bad decision. Then he, he yeah. went off on them. They, they, that should have never happened. Make, I remember you telling us that when he, he, he you know, ripped off the mask of someone's face <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, at practice. It was, a, it, was a, it was a center of his own team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my. But when you look at the teams, I remember Big Jeff. Uh, I, mean, uh, I mean, man, how well did he play? Didn't he have two sacks versus the, the Bengals? I know against the Rams, he had three in the first half. But, uh, man, I was just thinking there, man, Jeff, now that he's becoming a proven pass rusher and can sack the football, he may be the next great interior D lineman in NFL history. He's on that track. Well, he's certainly he's certainly on the path. And, of course, and you know this better than anybody, the thing that you do the year before means nothing the next year. Right. It's what you do during the offseason. It's how you It's how you recalibrate. It's how you, you, you look at what you're, you're lacking in and be able to work on that. As I said, I coached Mike Singletary for seven years, and every year, first ballot the Hall of Famer, he came into my, my desk about in March and, and put a blank notebook in front of him and said, what do I need to work on? Where am I lacking? And so that's what separates guys. You know, it's what they're able to do in the offseason. But Jeffrey Simmons, especially coming off of how he came in here, you know, with a with an ACL, and mm-hmm. John Robinson made a brilliant move to you know to take a take a chance on him. You know, with with uh, Mike Vrabel and Amy Adams Strunk's blessing, and so he's 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 paid that off. And the other thing is, is I think he's really worked to improve. Not only coming back from the ACL, it really amazed me how quick he came back from that. But the the improvement that he's made year to year to year, that's yeah, what you really want to see too. in your guys, I right? Really like that. Yeah, we on with Coach Mack giving us the Mack attack. Sorry about that. Hey, Coach, on the way out, I know you spent yeah. a, a chunk of your career in Arizona. What's going on down there with a the quarterback and everything? Is this just a bunch of conjecture and he's going to be the quarterback and we can all move on? I, I have no idea. All right. I mean, I don't. I have no idea what's happening in Birdland land down there. I mean, it's a little bit strange. I will say that. I mean, I, I, I really don't know. You know, they, 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 they uh, you know, they chose, they themselves chose that, and Steve Kime and their and their and their ownership chose to get rid of a first round pick, go in on a go go in on uh, you know a Cliff Kingsbury, who ran a certain type of offense, 
at, you know, at Texas Tech and then chose to go pick a guy that was the best in collegiate football uh, at that time running that type of offense. So that's a, a, that's a valid choice that they made yeah. to, to make that switch. So how it has turned sour, if indeed it has turned sour, I don't know. Well, NFL, the the, the storylines never stop, that's for sure. And I uh, love talking about all of them with you every Tuesday. Coach, great stuff as always. Uh, man, you can get outside and enjoy some of this nice weather today. I'm sitting here in my office with the windows wide open. I'm surprised you hadn't heard the birds in the trees. I'm thinking you were in a Disney movie. I'm surprised <laughs> they're not tweeting right now. Well, it's all right, Coach. Uh, you and the birds go back to breaking down your film. We'll talk to you next week. See you, guys. Thanks. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, Coach. Um, we asked a question about what would you pay A.J. Brown based on our visit earlier with PFF Brad. I, I'll just say this. I think 9% of you have lost your mind. <laughs> we'll finish with that next. <laughs> All right, ten percent of y'all are crazy. I'm just I'm just gonna put that out there. Ten percent of, of people are crazy. So we had PFF Brad on um Brad Spielberger. By the way, go back and listen to the show today just some way via podcast, however you rate, review, subscribe, or if you want to catch it on Twitter, we got the link on there from the Zone TV feed. Just go back and watch it because uh some fascinating stuff. Great segment with Coach Mag. Uh, Brad Spielberger joined us in hour number one. He was breaking down some contract stuff, and kind of what put him on our radar was he is like the this is what this guy's next contract is going to be guy for PFF. And he said four years, $80 million for A.J. Brown. So I have him on, and he's like, yeah, you know, he's a, you know, a second-round pick, but he's he's played his way into the same conversation as D.K. Metcalf and, you know, all these Debo, Debo Samuel. Samuel. And he actually – he said, I have Debo's value under A.J. Brown's value. Remember, he said Deon, Debo is like 19 and change. A.J. at a solid 20. Yeah, and I said, well, was, people are going to look at it the other way because Debo's in the right offense, and they utilize him a little bit more. But they have the same body type and can do some of the same things, pretty much a lot of the same things. Which maybe we need to get into this tomorrow. We got two hours, and we roll, and it goes by fast. But maybe we need to get into this tomorrow because there's – uh, at Titans Draft Tape on Twitter. Uh, Titans Draft Tape, I think, is one of the Broadway sports guys, but that's his Twitter handle, at Titans Draft Tape. Uh, had some amazing stats on A.J. Brown's lack of usage, especially like in the postseason, that you would be like, hmm, that's interesting. Really, he is not getting targets. I'll save it. We, we can talk about this tomorrow. But PFF Brad, he, he thinks A.J. Brown is worth, obviously, a significant amount of money, four years, $80 million. So we asked this question on Blaine and Mickey. What's your number? I said 16-plus million. That's 19%. I said 18-plus million. Maybe some people try to get a little bit of a deal. 37%. Then that's I, gone up to 38 now. Then I put Brad's number. That's, yeah. $20 million per year, 34%. Or has oh. it gone up on yours? No, it went down to 33. Okay. And the 16 went to 20. So, too rich for me, I'm out. <laughs> I tried to quote Shark Tank.
uh, and the last time it updated for me, it was 9% when we went to the commercial. It it's, it's 10%. It's now. 10 now. It's 10%. I'm out. 10%. Too rich. And I put even 16 on there. So even that, because that's, I think, roughly where Spot Track had him. Uh, they had him at 17. So that would be 16. Oh, that's plus. the number I said. So 16 plus uh, would put him in that Spot Track range. This this is this what is, is he how, currently making. What's his base salary? Oh gosh, I'd have to look. I mean, he's like, a, he's on a second round. Uh, the what's the value of that whole deal? Is it five million or yeah, something? So maybe making six, seven hundred or something. Maybe a mil. Yeah, maybe in the last year of the deal, maybe he makes a million and change. So I mean, he is making second round draft pick money. Um, with base, this base salary, he signed a four year, little over five and a half million dollar. Well, deal. there you go. All right. There so if he guy. sees all of it, about five and a half million. And, and, and would you walk away from seventeen if you're you're offered it? Hmm. He caught sixty three balls last year in thirteen games. The ne- do you know? Do you guys know who the number two? I've asked you so many questions today. I put you both on the spot. He caught how many balls? He caught sixty three for eight sixty nine and five touchdowns, which were both down 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 numbers for him from where he'd been the first couple of years. But he, he missed three games. You know who the, caught the second most passes on this team? You go first, Lucas. Uh, I'm going to say Nick Westbrook-Akina. I know he led a couple games, too. Uh, I'm still going to go with uh, Julio. Nick Westbrook-Akina, 38. Ferkser, 34. Julio and Jeff Swain. Julio caught the same number of balls as Jeff Swain. Well, how many is that? Is that the, how many is it? Thirty-one. Okay. In in uh, NWI caught thirty-eight. And how many games did uh, Julio play? Julio played. Nick Westbrook he played a total of Julio ten. Won. Yeah, he, I was going to say he missed. Jeff Swain six. played sixteen. But if somebody said before the year, I'm going to bet you we'll go to Vegas and we'll bet some money. That Julio and, um, oh, let's pick uh, Jeff Swain. They have the same amount of catches. Nope. I wouldn't have even predicted Nick Westbrook-Akina in WI that he would have more catches. He had 38 for 476 and four touchdowns. He was second uh, in yards. He was second in touchdown catches so on the in, team. In theory, he was a number two on this team on last this, year. On, on this team, he was, I mean, that, yeah. At times, he did show flashes of that. I had to give him that. He, he, <laughs> he Billy White, she used on Oilers weekend, and I about lost my mind. Oh, yeah, when he did the dance. Yeah. He scored. That was a great tribute there. I mean, uh, but I still don't. I think that's why Tannehill had so much confidence in him and, and threw him the ball on the last tip. He showed why they have confidence in him. Mm-hmm. He did that, at least. It wasn't his fault that Julio and AJ were unavailable so much. Yeah. See, availability is part of the game. And he's getting better each and every week. I mean, he's exceeded what I thought he could do in this season. There's no way around it for me. I mean, he, he's shown that he could be a two at times. I never thought that it would happen at times. I ain't saying all the time, but somebody's going to see him and film and go, if he has another year like that and then they bring in somebody like Juju and he's still kind of doing somewhat the same things, he, he's going to get a good contract. He covers punts. He covers kicks. He plays special teams. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, I'm trying to stick around. I'm trying to make myself undrafted free agent. Yeah, I mean, you got a couple other receivers drafted was sitting on the pine. Yeah, 
So he's obviously better than them in their eyes anyway. One guy they spent pretty good money for who said, send me anywhere, and they're like, how does Detroit suit you? Reynolds? Hey. Reynolds was What is worth? Reynolds produced when he went to Detroit. <laughs> I know. They could have used him. They used him. Hey, man. Him and Tiny Khalif up at Titans hey, North. It's funny when you know the quarterback. Yeah. He didn't know that. Go. <sighs> All right, uh, we got to go. We know our quarterback, and uh, our quarterback is Lucas. And he said, down, set, time to go. 3HL is next. So in the meantime, in between time, we'll see you tomorrow. And peace, peace Lucas! <laughs> Eat your-